Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter uh, 35. Um, uh, if you've raised uh, children, which many of you have, uh, sometimes you, you explain to them their competing loves sometimes. Uh, they love themselves. And, and there's a part of them that slowly is growing that they really do love you. But a lot of times the one is trounced by the other. And you'd say, why did you do that? It's apparent that you loved yourself and you didn't love me like you were supposed to. And you chose this would please dad, this would please mom, but the opposite would please me. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, and you, you don't want to say, you don't love me at all, you know. Uh, but the but the truth is they have competing loves, and a lot of times it's easier to I'm just going to do what I want to do, and uh, that is the battle in this life to to just love the Lord enough for that to to set aside what I want, uh, so that instead I'm going to do what He wants, uh, and and I just we we sang it today, but but uh, again there take my life take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to Thee. Let my, uh, take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. A lot of times our hands move at the impulse of our love for self. Um, this morning, Pastor Olson was talking about uh, the spiritual gifts. And uh, uh, finding out what gift you have and then using it for, our, for God's honor and glory. Uh, Mrs. Spooner has a little, a, a little grandbaby. And Claire was holding her the other night at the basketball game. And it's fun when kids, little babies, discover they have hands. You know, there they are, just like, what is, you know, try to figure out life in general as an infant. And then maybe their arm comes up, like, whoa, what was that? Um, they, they don't know they have hands, and they slowly discover they have hands. And then over after a while, like, oh, I have hands. They come in handy for all sorts of things. We have a spiritual gift already, and it's a matter of discovering what that gift is. You have it already, just like an infant discovers they have hands, and then what am I going to do with those hands the rest of my life? You have a a spiritual gifting as well. And what are you going to do with the gifts God has given you? Are you going to have this prayer, take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love? Verse 4, take my love, my God, I pour at thy feet its treasures store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Ever. It sounds good when we sing it. Are you living that life? I will be ever only all for thee. That really is why we come to church, isn't it? To be reminded of what that means. And just because you sing it doesn't make it true in your life. Oh God, teach us what it means to live ever only all for thee. Uh, in this life, we want to be separated as unto the Lord. Have you ever noticed that we're comfortable with where we are as far as separation is concerned? And if somebody else is more separated, we tend to think of them as backward, right? They're like Amish. They probably don't even use electricity, those backward, strange people. <laughs> but the truth is, uh, we want to say, Lord, am I as separate as, as I ought to be? Sure, I can look down my nose at somebody else that maybe has stricter lines than I do. But Lord, uh, 
Search me and try my heart. Uh, Lord, examine my, uh, my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way. Am I set apart as unto you as much as I need to be? In Jeremiah 35, we come across a family who was, who they, at first, they seem a little backward. They're so separated that they seem like backward people. But in the end of the chapter, God says, because they were that separated unto me, I'm going to build into their home an endurance that lasts forever. A spiritual endurance. And again, we're tempted to look at this home and say, what backward, (laughs) what backward, odd people. But God looked at them and said, those are some people that honor me. And I want you to learn from them today. Let's learn from these folks in Jeremiah 35, the Rechabites, the Rechabites. Again, you're like, isn't that what I have my house sprayed for to get rid of the Rechabites? Um, no, no, they're not termites or those things. Um, the Rechabites. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, two different John, Jonadabs. Uh, tonight I'm going to look at a different Jonadab. There was a Jonadab in 2 Samuel that used his influence to, uh, to coach Amnon to live a life of selfful, uh, selfish sinfulness. He used his influence to, to, to push Amnon toward awful sin. Here's a different Jonadab in this chapter that left in his home an influence that said, listen, we are going to be separated as unto God. He used his influence in his home to say, we are going to honor God because there's nothing else in this life that matters. If we bring honor to him, we will have lived a successful, wonderful, fulfilled life. So here in Jeremiah 35, we're going to make our way through the whole chapter. Uh, It's only 19 verses, um, but let's get going uh, so we can get through all of this. Uh, we had, uh, that was really good, Brother Rose. Very helpful. Um, very important to, uh, even, again, we heard some of that this morning as well in 2 Corinthians where God, God allows us to go through something, uh, so we learn, um, to find God's help as we go through something hard. So we, in turn, can help others to find God's help when they go through similar trials. Uh, That is so true. Okay, so we're going to look at two Jonadabs today. One that used his influence to steer people toward God, and then tonight, one that used his influence to steer people toward self and very much away from God. Here we go. All right, Jeremiah chapter 35, verse 1. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying... Look at that. We're already through one verse. Verse 2, go to the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. So this is grape juice, not wine as we think of today, alcoholic. The Bible doesn't really talk about grape juice. It calls it wine and we use context to determine whether we're talking about fermented grape juice or non-fermented uh, 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 grape juice, fermented being alcoholic grape juice. So, so here's just grape juice, and he's going to put this in front of them. So this is pretty interesting. God is setting up an object lesson. And he says, go grab this family, the Rechabites, put wine in front of them, tell them to drink it. Now, who are these Rechabites? 
the Rechabites were descendants of Rechab, a Kenite. The Kenites were relatives of the Midianites. Remember when Moses, uh, he, he went into the land of the Midianites and Jethro uh, married his daughter, his, his father-in-law, Jethro, and spent time with the Midianites. Um, the, the Kenites were related to the Midianites and Moses' family by marriage. Uh, there in Judges 1.16, it talks about the children of Kenite. Moses' father-in-law went up out of the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lieth in the south of Arid, and they went and dwelt among the people. So when Israel came up out of Egypt, uh, this family of the Rechabites uh, came with them, related to Moses by means of marriage. It was a, a nomadic people who lived a separatist lifestyle. Verse 3. Then I took Jeazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habizaniah, and his brethren and his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites, and I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the sons of Igdaliah, man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which is above the chamber of Maaseiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. So he gets this family of the Rechabites, brings them into the chamber in the temple, and he puts wine in front of them and cups to pour into the cups and drink. And he says, drink ye wine. Uh, it wasn't hard for Jeremiah to track down this family. They were living uh, in the Jerusalem area. So Jeremiah obediently tracks them down and brings them into the chamber of the sons of Hanan. The rooms that surrounded the temple were used for meetings, living quarters for the temple leaders and Jeremiah sets before them uh, uh, wine and waits to see what they're going to do with it. God was using this family as an object lesson for Jeremiah and the house of Judah and, by extension, us to learn a lesson from them. What was so special about this home? What's the lesson that God wanted the house of Judah to learn? Well, it's going to be the consistency of this home that was in stark contrast to the inconsistency of the house of Judah. God is faithful, and it means a great deal to Him when we reflect some of that faithfulness back to Him. When we mirror the faithfulness that He shows to us, God takes note and He rewards it. Today we ask ourselves, am I a person of consistency or am I pretty inconsistent with spiritual things? Am I faithful in my obedience to Him or pretty unfaithful at times? Do I live a life that is honoring to Him or dishonoring to Him? Am I obedient or disobedient? Verse 6, Jeremiah 35 verse 6, but they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. Here was a Jonadab that wanted to influence his family toward a life of separation. Uh, today we're going to, uh, between this morning and tonight, we're going to contrast these John Adabs. Let's pray. Lord, I do ask that you be with this time of uh, uh, looking into your word. Lord, I pray that, that as Jacob 
prayed this morning, Lord, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd give me power, Lord, you'd speak through me, you'd give liberty to, to me to give what you've given to me, to the, to the folks that are here today. I pray that you give them a, a blessing, open their spiritual ears that they may hear. Lord, and if there's someone that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that on this day, they would say, I'm ready to talk to somebody about how I can know for sure I have a home in heaven. That when I stand before God, I'm prepared. Lord, we can show them from your word how that can be so. May it be, Lord, possibly today that somebody would say, I, I need to know. I'm ready. I'm ready to surrender to whatever God says so that I can be prepared to stand before him someday. But, Lord, there are many of us, Lord, that aren't living the separated life that we should be living. Help us, instead of looking at the separated folks around us or even these Rechabites and saying, what backward people, instead, Lord, help us to value the humble submission in this home and seek to emanate it is, uh, emulate that as well, Lord, in our lives. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so, um, now think about it. The man of God puts wine in front of them. Now, if, the, if they had thought, oh, man, all these rules in my home, I'm just looking for an excuse to accidentally break it or whatever. This was their chance. I mean, it was the man of God. He put this wine in front of them and said, drink. It's like, oh, got to do what the man of God says. <laughs> uh, it, it just so happens it mirrors what I'm interested in. Um, but they said, no. No, we, uh, we, we, our father built into us some lines of separation that identify us. And we can't. Um, uh, they weren't living a life longing for and looking for a chance to break the lines of separation that defined them. These lines of separation were a part of their identity. Verse 6 again. But they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father commanded us, saying, ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons forever. That's a long time. Forever. Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any, but all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye are strangers. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. All right, so it's interesting. This Jonadab, he laid forth, he set forth these commands about 200 years previous. You get that? They've been faithful to what he laid out for that home 200 years previous. The Rechabites were faithful to abide by these rules through the generations all the way back to the time of Jehu in 2 Kings 10.15 to the time of Jeremiah here over 200 years. Let's look back at this Jonadab. Uh, his name was uh, the same person but called Jehonadab back in 2 Kings 10 verses 15 through 17. Uh, so 2 Kings 10, you can turn there if you like. 2 Kings 10, verse 15. And when he, that's Jehu, was departed thence, he lighted on Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. So Jehu, 
comes across Jehonadab, this is our Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. And he saluted him and said to him, Is thy heart right? Is thine heart right? As my heart is with thy heart. And Jehonadab answered, It is. If it be, give me thine hand. And he gave him his hand. He took him up into the chariot and he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot. And when he came to Samaria, he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria till he had destroyed him. According to the saying of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. So Jehu was cleaning house. He was destroying the wickedness from the land because God told him to. And on the way, he saw Jehonadab and said, hey, you want to come with me? We're cleaning out wickedness out of the land. And he said, my heart is right. I'll go with you. I'm interested in a life that is honoring to almighty God. Yes, I'll go with you. Jehonadab is our Jehonadab in verse in Jeremiah 35. He had a heart that was on fire for God and joined with Jehu in his attempt to purge the northern kingdom of false worship, particularly the worship of Baal. Now, the Assyrians came in and overthrew the northern kingdom. And when that happened, the family of the Rechabites moved south into the land of Judah. Then Babylon, when they were uh, coming, causing problems, uh, then uh, the Rechabites moved near to, uh, to the protection of Jerusalem for additional safety. That's why it was pretty easy for Jeremiah to round them up. They're actually pretty close to Jerusalem. Jonadab had something in his heart. Something similar to what Joshua had in his heart in Joshua 24, 15, where it says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Jonadab decided it wasn't enough just to talk about how important God was going to be to his home. He wanted to build something into his home that would help to protect their home from worldly influences, that would draw the affection of his children away from God and to this world. Oh, parents, there's plenty of those, aren't there? Plenty of things out there that will steal the affection of our children away from God and to this world. John Adab said, I'm going to identify those things. I'm going to make sure my home is protected. Doubtless recalling uh, some of the nomadic life that they had lived when they were back in Midian. He decided the extra separation would be good for his home. He had to decide, how serious am I going to be about protecting my home from worldly, immoral, and corruptness? Separation from this world and to the Lord was going to be important. Uh, for far too many Christians, it's, I will be as separated as I am made to be. I will be as separated as, I, as, as I'm made to be. If you drive me back across a line and say, that's the line. And then, uh, if you drive me back across that line enough times, maybe I'll stay behind this line. That's why separation becomes miserable. When it's externally mandated. These people had something that 200 years later they're saying, no, that's, that's a part of who I am. It was, there was something internal. 
It wasn't a matter of, I will be as separated as I am made to be. It was, I will be as separated from the ways of this world as I ought to be in order to be pleasing to God. When separation is internalized, it becomes wonderful. It becomes wonderful. I I see Ben back there. He's got his wife with him. All right? Uh, They are separated from others to each other. It's supposed to be a wonderful thing. And you know what? This separation as unto the Lord, it's supposed to be a wonderful thing. When people are constantly pushing you back across those lines, it's miserable. But when you say, I want to be as separate as I ought to be because I love the Lord, it becomes a wonderful thing. Notice the totality of the command of of Jonadab. Ye shall drink no wine. All right? No wine. Neither ye nor your sons forever, neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. The totality of the command. And he says, you'll do these things, and you will live many days. There will be a longevity Uh, in your home, when you separate, whatever it is that you know you need to do to make sure you're separated as unto the Lord, there will be a longevity in your home. Deny yourself some things. For that home, it was going to be wine. In many ways, it seems pretty similar to a a Nazarite vow that we read about in Numbers chapter 6. That home, there was a setting apart of themselves to the Lord in a special way. But as the Nazarite vow often was for a designated amount of time, this separation was going to be forever. This is going to be something that defines us. They were, they were going to deny themselves living in a house. Jonadab said, I want you guys living in tents. And again, kind of a fun play on words, right? Uh, the secular world will say, Make sure you live intentionally, right? Don't float through this life. Have some intention. Have some direction. Live intentionally. And I thought, this, this home was going to live intense, <laughs> intentionally, not passively. They were going to, they were going to live as unto the Lord, live a life honoring the Lord, having a heart that's aimed at pleasing God. But that reminds us of those heroes in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 13, a faith chapter, the hall of faith. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Looking toward the promises of God and living your life intentionally, aimed at God's promises. Not, what can't I have because God owns me now. Oh, that's a miserable life. Quit, control your thinking. Control your thinking. Don't think that way. What do you have because you belong to God? What promises are in store for you? Aim for those promises the rest of your life. These died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. He said, listen, I don't want you building homes. I don't want you settling in too much down here. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Too many Christians are far too settled in down here. 
living like this is what matters. And forgetting that actually that is what matters. The totality of the command. Notice next the tenderness of the children. They said uh, in verses 8 through 10, Thus have we obeyed. Thus have we obeyed. That's a dirty word. That dirty four-letter word. O-B-E-Y. But it's such an important word for a Christian. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents, and we have obeyed. Boy, that word. It keeps coming up. And have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. They were fully committed to what their father had built into their homes in his effort to have a home that was pleasing to God. In these areas of separation, you see the tenderness of the children. Then you see the the timelessness of the charge in verses 6 and 7. We see that in there as well, where verse 6, neither ye nor your sons forever. Forever. What a funny thought that would be, right? So I'm uh, on the marriage altar, right, Brother Ben? On the marriage altar, and and you promised to be faithful to her. And it'd be a strange question right there. How long? For the entirety of the marriage. The entire marriage? Not just for a little bit? And and Caroline, look at it like, you have a, is that bothering you? There was a timelessness of this charge. How long do I have to be faithful? Well, he intends to be faithful to his promises forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And boy, to study him, you get an idea of of that example of faithfulness. The timelessness, neither ye nor your sons forever, verse 7, but all your days ye shall dwell in tents. Let's keep going, verse 11. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came into the land that we said, Come and let us go to Jerusalem. So they're talking about uh, moving near to Jerusalem for safety's sake, for the fear of the army of the Chaldeans, for the, for the fear of the army of the Syrians. So we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, um, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah... And the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will ye not receive my instruction to hearken to my word, saith the Lord. So this is his point. He's saying, oh, look at that home. Daddy, years ago, said something, and the the children have listened and obeyed what he said for all these years. But someone far more important has spoken. And you refuse to obey. God was using this home as an object lesson. God gets to his point. He says, Jeremiah, now gather the men of Judah. I want them to learn something from this home. Why won't they receive the instruction to hearken to my words? I speak and they act like what I have to say does not matter. I want them to take a good, hard, long look at this home. Verse 14, the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded... His sons not to dry, drink wine are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken. 
rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return now, every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. And ye shall dwell in the land which I have given you and to your fathers, but... Ye have not inclined your ear nor hearkened unto me. Because the sons of Jonadab, the sons of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them, but this people hath not hearkened unto me. Jonadab, he spoke and he passed off the scene. He's dead. He's not speaking anymore. And yet they honor what he had to say. I haven't gone anywhere. I spoke and I continue to speak. And I reiterate my words through my prophets. And you go on ignoring me. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it happily. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. We want to live pure. We, we want to live clean. We want to do our best. Sweetly submitting to authority. How long has it been since you had that type of heart? No, if, if my authority, uh, 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 I mean, maybe, I mean, they, they have to show me, uh, uh, no, I, I, they're wrong until they prove themselves right. Uh, uh, I'm not one of those blind faith people. That's good. Don't be a blind faith person. But a lot of times, that's an excuse not to sweetly submit to your authority. Submit and then study your Bible and and see if those things are, are so, right? Submit to the authority. Trust God. He put that authority in your life. Trust Him. Know your Bible, yes, but we have it backwards a lot of times. I'm going to do what I want until that authority beats me into submission. And then somehow when I live this life that I want to live, it makes sense to me. And they have a hard time explaining to me why it doesn't. Yeah, there's a way that seemeth right to a man. Seems right. God warns the end there are the ways of death. Return now every man from his evil way. Amend your doings. Boy, the end of the year, right? Start thinking about our tax returns. Some people, if they're getting money back, are thinking tax returns on January 1st. Other people, when they're going to pay money, are thinking tax returns on April 14th. (laughs) Sometimes you do a tax return and and you have to amend the tax return. It's got to be corrected. Or fixed. God says, amend your doings. Take a good look at how you're living. There are, there are things that need to be corrected. There are things that need to be fixed. I've warned you about these things. And I want to bless you. And I can't because you just won't obey. And this was the people of God. The tribe of, uh, the, the, the people of Judah. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts. Because you won't obey, uh, this is a bad therefore. This is a bad therefore, the, the ones we don't like to hear. Verse 17. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil 
that I have pronounced against them because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done according to all that he hath commanded you. There's another therefore in verse 19. Now this is a good therefore. This is a wonderful therefore. When there's a therefore, you've got to look at why it's therefore. What it's therefore, this is a good one. You lived that backward life of humble obedience. <laughs> look at that person. <laughs> you mean that humbly, that humble, obedient person over there? I know, right? They're not worldly wise at all. <laughs> what a backward person. Humble and obedient. Verse 19, therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want. That word means lack. He will never lack a man to stand before me. <gasps> There's that word again. Or it's split into two words, forever. How long do I have to be faithful? The whole marriage. How long do I have to be faithful to him? Forever. And when you live a life that says, I'm going to honor him through this life and on into eternity, all God's forevers are wonderful. He says in verse 19 here, there shall never lack a man in this home to stand before me forever. What an exciting thought. Right now, a descendant of this home is living a godly life. God built a spiritual endurance into this home because they were going to live a life of humble obedience. What a promise. The Rechabites were examples of steadfast obedience. They were able to put the will of another before their own in this area of separation. Lives separated from worldly greed and sinful pleasure. They lived lives pleasing to God. And God built a spiritual endurance into their home. One last time, 150 years later, Nehemiah is coming back into the land um, after the exile and they're rebuilding Jerusalem. And we see another glimpse into this home. In uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 14, again, this is 150 years later. Uh, Nehemiah 3, 14. But the dung gate repaired Malchiah, the son of Rechab, the ruler of part of Bethhasarim. He built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. Different people took different gates of the city and repaired them. And one of these Rechabites fixed the dung gate. Now the dung gate was an interesting gate. It was, it was where the, the animal waste and the ashes from the sacrifice, the sacrifices would be brought out of the city and deposited in the Kidron Valley. What a neat picture. Getting the filth out of the city. They repaired the gate where the filth was removed from the city. What a fun picture. Keeping the filth out of their home was important to them. And God built a spiritual endurance into their home that he is still honoring to this very day. The example of the Rechabites. Judah, 
I've spoken and you don't seem to care. Fairhaven Baptist Church, everyone who's here today, God has spoken. Oh, that it might be that we care a great deal.